Today, I want to talk about the concept pacing and part of this concept that I don't think anyone talks enough about is the grief of when you can't get it all done. If you are anything like me and you love personal development, so reading about it, watching YouTube channels about it, um, you know, lifestyle vlog videos, things like that, you're going to see a lot of people sharing their systems with you. Those systems can be really helpful in giving you ideas and helping you, you know, be more efficient. And I love a good system. But I've actually never really been able to stick to a, a system, even when it's around something that feels really important to me. There are practices that I've put in place that help me do all the things that I need to do on a daily basis and prioritize the things that I need to get done. But having some system in place that you follow every day, you know, checklist, uh, my life changes way too much for that to be effective for me. It leaves me feeling frustrated and like a failure every time I write a to-do list or a system, like a morning routine or a nighttime routine or a meal planning kind of, here's what I'm going to plan and eat for the whole week. And while I do think that writing things down can be really helpful in organizing your thoughts and even organizing your day in a way that helps it flow, the biggest thing you have to remember is that things are going to change and sometimes we'll be able to be okay with that and sometimes we won't. There is no magic cure for making yourself just be okay with life's disappointments. So when you're trying to get it all done, and you're trying to figure out how to pace yourself, you know, that's something that I find is really important, pacing, going slower than you think you have to, so that you're conserving energy and you can actually go for longer and get things done in a less scattered way. But even this is not a fail-proof way of doing it, meaning you are going to have failures. You are going to have moments where you don't, you still don't get it all done, even though you laid out the perfect plan. It included breaks. It was slow. It was intentional. You knew exactly what you were going to do. Life throws you all types of curveballs. And when you're living with chronic pain and chronic fatigue, the curveball usually is so like, we just don't even see it coming. You know, your, your brain just turns off in the middle of something that you were really excited about just a few moments ago um and you know you start to get in the groove of something and then all of a sudden your energy levels are just like down to zero we can't always plan for that or we can't plan for when that's going to happen but what we can do is plan to recover rest and recover from when that's happening and during that recovery time that is a really good time to practice reflection. We want to ask ourselves questions like, what went wrong? What went right? How could I have done something differently? But not from a place of beating yourself up. This is so important. We have to cultivate that compassion. Otherwise, it just doesn't work. Um, I really don't know how else to say it. I feel like this is a concept that can be really hard to grasp, especially when you grew up um, being condemned for every little mistake that you made, 
and you really have no way of knowing how to make change without there being shame involved. If you look up how to pace yourself, you're going to hear things like break tasks into smaller manageable steps and try to find balance between rest and activity throughout the day and ask for help when needed and practice self-care. Like that's kind of the majority of what's going to come up when you start to Google this. And all of that is true, but it kind of doesn't tell you, it still doesn't tell you how, how, how do I practice self-care? I'm, I'm struggling, you know, how do I break things into smaller, more manageable tasks when every time I try to do that, my brain is now onto another project and I can't seem to get into a flow of anything. And I think that flow is probably the important word here. I think we all deserve to find these moments where we can get into flow, zone out, nothing else drags our attention away. We can just go for two, three hours at a time doing what it is we want to do, um, whether that's something productive or something restful or something creative, whatever it is, we our brains really deserve these moments of flow. And in this society, we don't get those opportunities at all. So I think that's probably step number one is realizing that everything takes longer than you think it's going to take, and that is necessary. So even if it's something as simple as putting a shelf up on the wall you're probably going to level it and then still take a step back after nailing it into the wall and realize that it actually is still a little bit crooked then you have to take it off the wall you have to spackle the holes and figure out a new place to put it um like there's there's all these little things that go into it that we just don't think of and because we don't think about that and plan that we get really, really frustrated when those things happen because it's like, well, I don't have time now to like fix it and then do it right, do it better. And so sometimes we can actually just not care and okay, whatever. It's just going to stay crooked for now or permanently. That's fine. We can kind of let go of some of that perfectionism or we can say, okay, like I can't redo this right now. So I'm going to take the whole thing down and I'm going to redo it again later but knowing then during like after this has happened all you have to do during that time now is grieve and then reflect so grieve might be a strong word when it comes to putting a shelf up on the wall but grief is kind of just an overarching word that I'm going to use when really it could just be like frustration could be anger could be um, whatever it is that comes up for you which is likely going to be attached to however mistakes were handled as a kid and so if mistakes came with a lot of like guilt tripping and disappointment then you probably will feel really sad and you might not it might not even make sense to you why putting the shelf up crooked on the wall made you feel sad and now you think you have this depression problem because you're crying over a shelf that you put up crooked Um, But maybe that's just how you were responded to as a kid with mistakes over and over and over and over again. Or anger. You know, if your parents were quick to be angry at you. And I say parents, but this could also just be other caretakers in your life who were around you a lot. Anything from a nanny to an an aunt to school teachers. Um, and especially the ones that you loved the most or you were closest to and probably even had a really 
great relationship with, their interactions with you are going to impact you differently than, you know, the teacher that you barely cared about and don't even remember their name. And sometimes those very loving, great relationships also have some of these kind of insidious reactions built into them as well, such as, you know, you might have had a really caring, nurturing mom, and she also might have been really quick to anger. And so those are things you're going to have to grapple with as you get older. In this process, so important is finding your own rhythms and listening to your body signals. And again, if you don't practice compassion during this reflective period and you're just beating yourself up or you're only focusing on the frustration and the anger, you're not going to be able to figure out what your rhythms are. So as you are putting that shelf up, when did you start to notice you were getting frustrated? Was it only at the end when you noticed it was crooked? Or was it halfway through when, you know, you um, like tiny little things were going wrong, but you just kept trying to push through and push through and, you know, OK, let's just get this done. And now the end result isn't perfect and you're blowing up internally or externally. We really don't want to push ourselves to our limits for things that don't really matter. Pushing yourself to your limits is not inherently a bad thing, but you have to figure out when it's appropriate and when it's not. And putting up that shelf might not be an appropriate time to use all of your energy up on. Or it might be, you know, depending on how important the end result is to you and what that gives to you in your life. And when you pace yourself, you're allowing your body to recover and recharge throughout the process. So by taking breaks and pausing and working on getting your focus to a place where okay that it gets distracted because you know how to bring back into focus is going to be really important when it comes to getting things done. This is a way of conserving your energy, preventing flare-ups. There are many reasons why we flare up and not all of those reasons are within our control, but with this particular thing, it does contribute to increased flare-ups when you push yourself and push yourself and push yourself to your breaking point um, or to max energy capacity. Going back to the grief of all of this is every time that you pause and take a break in an effort to pace yourself and do what we're talking about here, you're going to notice hard, difficult feelings pop up. And again, that's going to be related to whatever your brain was like. For me, that's a lot of frustration, anger. For you, it might be sadness. Again, it will just be different for everyone. Even just the skill of learning how to pace yourself is something that takes time. So that can be frustrating too in and of itself. It's like, okay, I'm trying to put this shelf. I'm trying to pace myself. I don't know if I'm doing it right. I don't know what's going I don't know what's going to be most helpful. Like there's all these I don't knows and uncertainty gives us a lot of lack of safety. So when we're starting to notice that, like there's a lot of lack of safety happening in my body, we want to figure out, well, what does that lack of safety even feel like? How do I know I'm feeling unsafe? Well, I feel like my thoughts are getting a lot faster and I'm starting to get snappier and I, you know... Or for you, it might be that you're tearing up more and you don't. And again, it feels like there's no reason for it or it's 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 over 
or it's just not called for. Like this, the shelf situation doesn't call for tears, but for some reason, your body is developing tears. That's a really good sign that it's time to just take a moment, reflect on what's happening, give your body and your mind some compassion and say, it's okay that you're crying. It's okay that these tears are here. And what do these tears need? When I start talking about what you need, a lot of times people will interpret this as what do I need in order to get myself to stop crying? Really, what the question is asking is what do your tears need in an effort to help them feel seen, heard, and that is what inherently soothes the tears. So the question isn't how do I get rid of the tears? The question is how do I comfort the tears? Same thing with anger. The question isn't how do I get rid of this anger, but it's how do I express this anger in a way that doesn't hurt myself or anyone else and also doesn't stifle other emotions and also doesn't make me feel like I'm suppressing myself. But the fact of the matter is these emotions are going to pop up during the process and they might derail the entire thing you're working on. Could be, again, putting a shelf up or it could be personal project you're working on or a work project that you're doing these emotions can really derail us and so a lot of people's answer to that is how do I suppress how do I push it down how do I just you know use my coping skills to keep me focused on track which is such a lie that productivity culture has taught us that our sole purpose is to stay on track and produce as much as we can production of something should have meaning and purpose to you with some caveats of course when it comes to our jobs your job may not have a lot of meaning and purpose for you personally but the income that you make might then help you bring meaning and purpose to your life and so if that's the case then we can focus on that your job doesn't bring you meaning or purpose and the income you're getting from it doesn't bring you any meaning or purpose then we can either look how you're spending your income and see if we can change that or do we need to change your job do we need to look at this in a different way entirely because if there's no meaning and purpose to the thing that you're trying to produce it's a surefire way to burn out you're not going to last long if that is the case now, keep in mind that meaning and purpose are these really big words that make you feel like you're a failure if you don't know what yours is. Purpose is not something that is just like handed to you. And it's not something that you can just quickly journal about and you'll find it. It's an ongoing, ever-evolving process for each person that engages in it. I want to really emphasize on the word finding. We have to find our purpose and create our purpose. And that means we might find it and create it. And it means our purpose looks like this one thing for this one season of life. And then that might change. I think when things change, we really think that we like failed somehow. I think this is something that a lot of people struggle with. If there's this change happening, it means we've done something wrong. But that comes from really just a lack of 
rituals and transition periods and community that have that our society just does not have when we band together and we listen to people tell their stories and we engage in communal activities and we really open ourselves up to relationships we start to realize how normal it is to struggle how normal it is to change your thoughts change your the things that are important to you change so much you know again we just we think that change is this horrible thing that means we didn't do something right the first time and in just keeping it completely real that is absolutely false we want to be intentional with our change and our transitions but not so intentional that you know we are rigid and we don't know how to do anything because we're still worried and consumed about doing it right so when it comes to pacing pacing yourself again there's all these different techniques out there um time management you know, breaking your tasks down into smaller all of those things are helpful but if you don't know why you're doing the thing you're doing it's going to be really hard to keep engaging in it even when you do know your why and you know how important it is it can still be really hard because we're developing a skill and if especially if you're trying to do the skill alone you don't have someone helping you, mentoring you, sharing with you in the process in a very kind, encouraging, and compassionate way, it's going to be harder for you to learn. So another really big tip that I would have is that when you're trying to learn how to do something, if you are struggling to the point where it is constantly bringing up like the deepest, hardest feelings for you, I think that's simply just a sign that you're trying to do too much, too fast, too alone. We really need to start seeing who we can bring in to our life or who we can just watch. You know, it could be YouTube channels or characters in books or podcasters if you don't have someone in your immediate circle. And if you do have people in your close circle who are doing things that you want to be doing, whether that's a particular type of activity or it's a particular way of being like you just really like their demeanor or how they handle life's challenges spend more time with them figure out how you can be intentional to bring them closer into your circle or just to watch them more and learn from them and sit back and not try to prove yourself so much but to let people come in and teach you rather than maybe you always trying to be the teacher so that's it for today. If you have questions, you can DM me on Instagram if you're not a client. If you are a therapy client and I've said anything today that brings anything to mind for you, we will talk about it in our next session. And if you like my teaching style and you think that I would be able to hold your hand throughout this process that of whatever you're going through um, and you want to become a client, I will start taking new clients again in March of 2024. Right now we are in the end of December 2023 um, and mostly what I'm going to be focusing on next year are therapy intensives. So these are two to three day full day workshops for individuals or groups uh, where we really do this deep dive work um, in one go so that you can either 
jumpstart your therapy process or if you've been in therapy for a while and feel like you need kind of a refresher or like a another jumpstart, um, then we can do that. And then you can go back to your own therapist or we can also start therapy one-on-one weekly sessions. But I will be planning to do one to two intensive therapy sessions a month. Um, and that does require you to be in the state of Georgia or Florida if we do it virtual, or you can travel to Atlanta, Georgia, and we can do that in person. I love therapy intensives because they are anywhere from two to four-ish hours at a time, which can sound like a lot, but if you know what it's like to be in therapy and by the end of your 50-minute session with your therapist, you feel like you're just now getting into the flow of things, that's not because something's wrong with you or your therapist. That's because for some of us, it takes a lot more time to start to trust the other nervous system that we're with. The meaning, it would take you time to trust me and my nervous system. And it even takes my nervous system time to not necessarily trust yours, but to kind of get a feel for it and to know where we should go next. Which, of course, is a collaborative process and we decide that together. But again, that takes time. And we are such a rushed society. Um, And so I'm really moving towards longer sessions, um, which does mean more cost front but less frequency so the cost ends up being the same um throughout like a month or three months or a year depending on how we kind of schedule it so just keep in mind that these therapy intensives are not magic cure-all fixes but they can be a more effective and flowy kind of way of doing therapy Rather than this rigid, like, okay, 50 minutes, let's cut to the chase and say all the things we have to say. And then, oh, it's 50 minutes and we're done. And I have to go because in 10 minutes I have my next session and I've got to write notes and I've got to, like, it's so toxic. And so um, I will be changing that over the course of the next year and how I do things. So if you're interested in working together, feel free to reach out via email, destiny at destinywinters.com. And I would love to jump on a consultation call with you.